Welcome to the Embodied CEO Podcast. I'm Kirsten, and while I'm an integrative performance dietitian by trade, a mom of three, and a wife, I am also a nearly two-decade entrepreneur turned business mentor, and I've seen all sorts of iterations of how to do business. And I'm tired of female business owners not fully stepping into their power because the road we've been told we have to take to get here sucks. In this podcast, I'm empowering entrepreneurs to trust their voice and expertise, to start thinking big when it comes to their business, and to move forward unapologetically toward goals that don't have to make sense to other people. Let's have the big conversations. Let's lay it all out on the table. And let's support each other forward in this crazy journey of entrepreneurship. Oh, and let's have some fun while we're doing it. Welcome to another episode of the Embodied CEO podcast. I am excited to talk about this topic today because this is something that is near and dear to my heart that I used to avoid with a burning passion. And I think many of us are guilty of this. Before we get started, I cannot believe that we are already into August and that we are in our eighth month of season two. And those of you who've been with me since season one know that this used to be a joint effort between me and my biz bestie, Brooke West, whose business took a different direction and she decided to step out of the business mentorship space. So it has been eight months of me doing this solo. And I'm so, so grateful for all of you who are on this journey with me and the conversations that we have had for all of my guests that I've had. And we're already in August. I just cannot wrap my mind around that. But with that, it also means for all of you who are business owners, you're already in the downward slide of 2023. And I sometimes feel like that can hit us like a ton of bricks, like, oh shit, I had all these plans and here we are and what is happening and now what do I do? And I want you to first take a deep breath. Let's do it together. We're going to take a deep breath. Yes, we are on the downward slide of 2023, but here's a little nugget that I haven't made any content around this, but I feel like I should. I looked at my last three or maybe even four years of business ownership, and I have year over year made two thirds of my revenue in the second half of the year. So wherever I was, June 30th, middle of the year, turned out to only be a third of my total for the year. So I want you, when you're looking at the year and you're getting demotivated and you're feeling like things aren't looking the way that you wanted them to look, to instead flip that and go, what's my potential that is left for the year? And what is my potential that I can still step into if I just take the right action and pivot from the things that aren't working into things that are working? Which sort of leads me into the topic I want to talk about today. And that topic is super in your face and super crass. And here it is, and we're just going to tackle it. And that topic is money. And I just used the word crass, and you may have heard me hesitate even as I said it, because there's nothing crass about money. But it tends to hit people sort of over the head and in a very affronting manner. A lot of people seem to be really troubled by this topic. So I want to start with something that I have been seeing in the specifically the coaching world, but Now I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to say the coaching world. I'm not going to expand it to online entrepreneurs because I think a lot of other online entrepreneurs are smarter about it, frankly. So we're going to keep it to the coaching world. There's this thing happening in the coaching world that is giving me major ick, and I want to talk about it. There are a few big name coaches who have spent years talking about, here's how to make money. Here's how to get more income. Here's how to raise revenue. Here's the money I made this month, and here's how much I made this month, and here's how many millions I have made. And that's phenomenal, 
But now here are these same coaches who have made millions and have talked about it very openly and have made this their topic of growth, have made this their their shtick that has identified them in the industry. And they're now out there telling people, it's so gross how everyone's focused on making money and talking about it. Instead, you should all be focusing on a spiritual journey and stop sharing your money wins. Okay, hang on. There's a lot to unpack there. First, let me state that I'm coming at this as a woman in her mid-40s who was transplanted to another continent by her parents at age 13. Can we talk about trauma for just a second, right? Like chronic PTSD. Can we talk about that for just a second, childhood trauma? And my first love, you guys know this because I've talked about this openly, killed himself when I was 19 years old, when I was by myself on the other side of an ocean because my family had moved back overseas. And as a woman who has had a miscarriage, traumatic, and has also birthed three children, also traumatic, happy, but also traumatic. And a woman who has unpacked a whole trainload worth of childhood emotional neglect, trauma, and parentification, and who has worked her way out of a very dark place of learning to understand her parents and their emotional trauma, and that led to, you know, my emotional trauma, blah, 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 all of these things. Here's why that matters. These coaches are now telling you that you should avoid talking about money and go back to a spiritual journey. Okay. My spiritual journey, I literally just said it, is so fucking embodied in who I am. (laughs) I am so clear on my spiritual journey. I am so clear on the trauma of having been ripped from where I felt comfortable and dumped somewhere else at age 13 and losing the person that I was, you know, head over heels in love with and, and having lost a child and had children and dealing with inner child trauma. I am so embodied in my spiritual journey. So I want that to be the foundation from which we have this conversation. I have been there and done the spiritual work, check and double check. I am able to talk about money even with the caveat of someone saying, you have to first do the spiritual journey. Been there, done that, badge of validation checked. Let's talk about money. These same people who are telling you that you need to first have spiritual awareness and stop worrying about money spent their entire business making money. (laughs) That's what they've built their business on. Because the definition of an entrepreneur is a person who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. For the purpose of generating revenue, let's be super fucking clear on that. There is not a single entrepreneur that I know who has said, I don't care if I ever make a dime. I'm only after spiritual enlightenment. Name that person and I will call them a liar. Full stop you know that that is not true. You know that every single person who starts a business does it with the goal of generating money. Now, I am not saying don't have spiritual enlightenment. I'm not saying don't get clear on who you are and deal with your inner child shit and all that. I'm not saying that. I am for that. I'm absolutely for that. I think not enough people do that. What I am calling out is the same coaches who have spent five, six, ten years making their money and openly talking about money, now somehow trying to hold up a mirror to other people saying it's in bad taste to talk about money. It's easy to talk that way when you've already made money. One thing is forever going to be true for business. The goal is to make money. And if you're building a business as an entrepreneur with more than normal financial risk, the goal is to make more than normal money. (laughs) That is the goal. The goal is not to take on all of this risk and this 
this lack of security and this uncertainty that inadvertently comes with entrepreneurship and not make money. That's not the goal. And the goal then also is not to pretend like we don't care about making money because there's not a damn thing wrong with wanting to make money. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to pretend like you don't care if you don't make money and you don't need to have any guilt whatsoever about making money and wanting to make unrealistic amounts of money. Let me quantify that real quick because unrealistic amounts of money are different for everybody. What I mean by that is amounts of money that you wouldn't be able to make in your normal nine to five. Most people want to at minimum replace a normal nine to five and ideally do better than that. And ideally at one point make unrealistically high amounts of money while working less hours. That's what people want in entrepreneurship. Now, do they all get there? No. And there's many reasons for that. And you've heard me talk about that before. And usually the reasons are approaching it from a very different hustle culture mentality of not setting up really good structures and strategy. And as a result, having to hustle for more than eight hours a day only to make similar money. But the goal regardless, the goal regardless is always to make money. So to then listen to the same coaches that have talked about starting your own business so that you can make money, now try to make you feel bad for the very thing that they've been doing for years doesn't sit right with me. I know what it's like to need more money than we have. And I also know what it's like to have more money than we need. I've been on both of those spectrums. And I can tell you that the latter feels a hell of a lot better on the spirit and your spiritual journey than the former. And yes, making plenty of money affords you a lot of luxury, including the luxury to be in your inner spiritual journey and frown upon others who desire to make more money. It's easy to have existential thoughts about you have to deal with your inner child and you should worry about, you know, spiritual things. It's easy to have those existential thoughts when you've got enough money to take care of everything, especially if you have kids in the mix, right? So all these coaches that are now out there talking about, don't worry about the money, worry about your existential self. Well, yeah, they have enough money to sit there and worry about their existential self. So we're going to have a conversation about money today. We're going to talk about all of the things that make people so uncomfortable when it comes with money. And I'm going to start it by calling out this bullshit of once you have money, it's no longer couth to talk about it. No, because you talked about it on the way to getting this money, on the way to generating money. And if you're listening to this and you are an entrepreneur and you're building a business, you cannot tell me that even for one day in your business, you thought it doesn't matter if I never make another dollar with this, I want to do this forever. It's simply not true. Your goal is to make money in order to take care of your family. Now, everybody's goals might be different. Some of you might be listening and going, I don't want to make gazillions of dollars. I just want to make enough to live happy and take care of my family. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. There's nothing wrong with any of those extremes. You might also be sitting there going, I want to make you know, $10 million and sit on an island and never do anything again. Also phenomenal. But the commonality is that everyone who becomes an entrepreneur does so because they want to get some time back. They want to have freedom to make decisions and they want to make money. But here's the thing, to have these existential thoughts about, you know, let's let's think about our inner child and our spiritual journey and not worry about the money. In order to do all of that, we have to first empower ourselves and others to embrace making money and embrace wanting to make money and embrace talking about it and embrace being okay with that being the leading reason that you started a business. 
this goes back generations, right? Most of our grandmothers didn't make money. They married and then their husbands made money. And many of our mothers, at least for those of you who are my age and have boomer parents, didn't work or stopped working when we were born so that they could be homemakers. And I want to attack this from all angles because I have been at all angles. I have been a stay-at-home mom. I was a stay-at-home mom to three children when they were very young. My husband traveled all the time. He made more money than I did in our corporate careers. It made more sense for me to stay home. Also, I was nursing these children and I was the one birthing these children. I was the one who physically needed to have these kids. So I became a stay-at-home mom and I didn't bring a single dollar into the home. So I know what that feels like but I kept the entire family afloat and worked thankless hours and bent over endlessly for the well-being of everyone else in the house. So I've been at that angle of the equation where money was an uncomfortable topic for me because I didn't feel like I was contributing until I got over my own shit and realized that I was literally keeping these people alive. And that the reason my husband was able to go out without concern to earn money for the house was because he knew that I was home taking care of literally everything else. And I'm going to say this here, and I'm going to say it only one time, but everybody needs to know this. There is not a harder job than I have ever done than being a stay-at-home parent, especially when the other parent is working full-time and, in my husband's case, was also traveling. There's not a single thing that I've ever done that's harder. So for the stay-at-home moms who are listening to this, who are dreaming of, I want to have a business where I make unrealistic money, know that I've been where you are, and you are already running a business. You're just not currently getting paid for it. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. But I said I want to attack this from all angles, so I also want to point out that I've been at other versions of this as well. I've been a 50-50 business partner with my husband, generating cash, growing a business, making sales, collecting invoices, and then selling that business for a lot of money. I had to learn a lot on that journey. You've heard me talk about that before. And then I've also solo, completely on my own with hiring my team, sure, but me as the only driving force behind it, built two companies from scratch to a seven-figure brand. I've been all iterations of this. I have also been employed, let me be clear on that, pre-entrepreneurship, I've also been employed by other people working a regular nine to five, which I don't know why we always say nine to five, because it's usually an eight to five, right? Like we're there at eight. We don't leave until five if we leave then. I've done that too. Managing other people's money, watching other people make a lot of money while I had to sit there and do the math for their money and manage their money and sell things and bring in more money for them. And I was getting none of that. I've been at all iterations of this. And here's what I've realized in this process that's missing from most of our lives when we're talking about money. Comfort. Comfort around money. Most of us don't know how to neutralize money and just get really freaking comfortable confronting it. Most of us are stuck in a money is hard and money is uncomfortable and we don't know what to do with it. So I want to tell you a few stories of examples of women in my life and how money is always sort of woven into that fabric of who we are, whether we are aware of it or not, and whether we want it to be or not. And I want to start with a story about my great-grandmother, actually. She died when she was 100. I was 17 years old. We called her Oma Bibi. Oma means grandma in German. And she was born in Germany in 1897. Yep, that's how long ago that was. And I always used to joke if she had made it till 2000, she would have lived in three centuries. But she didn't because she made it to the ripe old age of 100. But she was an amazing lady. Here's why I want to tell you her story. She had two children, my grandmother and her brother, in the 1920s, right? So after World War I, they had just made it through World War I directly in their backyard. And then in the 1920s, she had these two children. She had a husband who worked in a coal mine. And the husband's family, there was still a mom and a dad and then two sisters. 
demanded that my grandmother move into that house, his parents' house, to take care of his parents. And my grandmother, my great-grandmother, because this is the stock I come from, said, the fuck? (laughs) She said it nicer than that, but that was the gist. Because he had two sisters, and she had two young children, and she didn't live in that town, and she wanted to live in her parents' house and stay with her parents, and why would she possibly move there? So long story short, my great-grandmother basically kicked my great-grandfather out and said, you have two choices. You can stay here with me and your children, or you can get lost, and you can go move home and hang out with your mom and dad and take care of her. And so she basically kicked him out. And here's what she now had to do. This was a woman in the 1920s with two children who didn't go to college, right? She like finished her basic education. But you know what she did? She started an enterprise. And maybe this is where it's in my blood. But she started the local town general store. It was the only store in town. We have all these pictures of like think old school counter with, you know, giant bulk containers of flour and sugar and the like with the big old scale with the, you know, the metal weights and things. And she started that and she decided, I'm going to make enough money to support my family. And she had to suddenly confront a whole lot of shit about expectations of women and the time in history we're talking about, the 1920s, 1930s, when women owning businesses was not the norm, especially women who weren't widowed or divorced. She was still married. He just didn't live there because he didn't didn't want to do the things that she needed him to do. So that was the first money story that kind of had me go, wait, we have options and they're ingrained in us but they're also always frowned upon by others. And then I want to fast forward and tell you a story about a family friend of ours, one of my parents' friends, actually, who essentially gave up her career. She was college educated, but gave up her career to stay home and take care of the children. And long story short, she became completely financially dependent on her husband. And even though he never made her feel like it was his money versus her money, she became incredibly resentful in this process because it felt like nothing was hers. It felt like money decisions were his. It felt like she now had to stay in an unhappy marriage in order to have access to money. It felt like money was the handicap that kept her from living her life. And money management and building for wealth were completely out of reach. That just wasn't even a thing. And then fast forward another generation, and I want to tell you about one of my clients who struggles with confronting her money and having a handle on her money. She has a business, but she's struggling to get to a place of security and wealth creation not because she's incapable of running business, but because she hasn't mastered money neutrality and money management. She hasn't mastered confronting the reality of you have to deal with money and you have to understand where it's coming from and where it's going and how to handle it and what it's going to do to you emotionally and how to detach from that. She hasn't confronted her money. None of these women had gotten comfortable with money until they had to. My great-grandmother had to because it became about survival. Our family friend never had to, and now she's just miserable and resentful. My client is having to because it's affecting her business, and it's affecting the moves she can make in her business and how her business is going to function going forward. I used to struggle with a lot of this myself, and I firmly believe it's because I grew up in a house of savers. You save, you don't take risk. You get money to put it away, and you don't indulge. You don't allow frivolous purchases, and you put it in the bank for a rainy day. And it sort of becomes like going on a diet where you tell yourself that you can't have chocolate, right? And then what is the only thing that you want? is to eat chocolate. Like you care about nothing else. All you want is to eat chocolate. It becomes like that with money. And it was like that for me. I became very resentful of having to save money. I wanted nice things now. And I wanted to update the bathroom in the house now. And so I could enjoy it now. And I wanted to go on trips with the kids now. And I wanted to get the bigger car to make our lives easier now. 
And so I became an overspender out of sheer resentment for having to save money because this was the money story that I was told until I faced my money shit. Until I finally said, this is not how I want to function as a person who has to handle money for the rest of her life. And as a person who has big goals and big dreams for generational wealth, I did not want to be like my parents where it became about saving and where it became about once we're retired, we can try to enjoy things if there's enough money. I don't want to spend 65 or 75 years of my life doing that and then hoping that I still have the energy or desire or have even saved enough money to do the thing that I wanted to do. So I had to face my money shit. And that meant confronting our own money reality and ripping the Band-Aid off and becoming super aware of where we were, my husband and I, where we wanted to be and what was needed to close that gap. And I also had to become a whole lot smarter about money. I had to understand what the tax benefits were for entrepreneurs. I'm not a CPA. I never wanted to know these things, but I had to know those things. So I had to hire the right people to teach us. And I had to plan ahead every month and every year to always know exactly where things were moving and what was going to be needed. And then in order to set up businesses and to create generational wealth and build for our children's future, I had to know how that all functioned. I want my children to be millionaires by the time they retire, independent of their own jobs. And we have now set them up to where that is reality. My children will have millions in their retirement funds, independent of their own jobs, simply from what we have put in place for them because we confronted money stuff. I did the research. I educated myself on what we were actually able to give them as entrepreneurs beyond just we make X amount of dollars in our businesses. Confronting my money hangups and the fear of investing in myself was huge. Back to comfort, right? I had to get comfortable moving large amounts of money in and out of the business and seeing the numbers shift in accounts because I used to be a person where I was like, I need that account to look like this or I'm going to get really twitchy about it. But I had to not shy away from seeing money move and not shy away from my mentor's pricing and understand that it takes money to make money rather than, and I see so many entrepreneurs make this mistake, rather than taking that attitude of, I'll invest once I make more money. Dude, explain to me how you're going to make more money without hiring the people to teach you to make more money and without investing money in order to grow. Tell me how you're going to do that because that's phenomenal. And once you figure that out, please tell everybody else because that's just not reality. Reality is it takes money to make money. And if you're scared to move money, you are not going to make more money. That is just the end of that. If you're scared to put money into something, especially into yourself and your own growth, you will not grow and you will not make more money. I also have to become comfortable with my value as, as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as, an, as a manifester, as a creator, as a leader, as a guide, as a teacher, as a mentor. And I had to put on blinders on what others were trying to tell me, but what they thought my things were worth. Side story for you. My very first nutrition group program was a seven-week program with twice weekly Zoom calls. So 14 calls and personalized meal planning software for every person in there. And I, I made this mistake. I asked a friend of mine who knew me really well, but who had only known me as a stay-at-home mom and didn't know any of my ambitions or things because this is another mistake I made. I didn't share my big money visions with people because I thought there'd be judgment when it turns out I was just surrounding myself with the wrong people. But anyway, I asked this friend what she thought this program would be worth. And she said $79. <laughs> <laughs> she said $79 for seven weeks of my time, twice monthly sessions and personalized meal planning software. And then she asked for a discount to join. She's like, well, I'm a friend. Do I get a discount? It was insanity. I knew it. And I felt incredibly resentful of that entire program and of her specifically for asking for that discount. 
but yet I ran it at $79 a person. I had like 12 people in it. And I spent seven weeks servicing this program and over-delivering to these people. I showed up every day. I did the thing, but I didn't honor my worth because I got hung up on my own money shit. I took somebody else's idea of what it should be worth and completely neglected my own understanding of, dude, are you kidding me? That is not what this is worth. But I didn't trust myself because I hadn't gotten over my money shit. For reference, my 10-week nutrition group coaching program that I offer now runs at well over $1,000. The discounted price is $1,000. And I don't even show up for that program anymore at all. My portion is 100% pre-recorded, and one of my team members runs weekly live calls. I don't even show up, and it's $1,000. I did that other program for seven weeks at $79 and gave my friend a discount. That's garbage, but I didn't have my money shit worked out. I have my money shit worked out now. As women, we tend to be overgivers. We tend to be people pleasers because we're conditioned to do so. No one asks the boys to help cook at the family barbecue. Nobody asks the boys to watch the babies for a minute while the adults run inside to grab something. No one tells the girls, hey, come watch me go through money from last week's sales so I can teach you about investments and profit and loss. Be different be different. Be that person who does these things, who teaches the girls these things, who also teaches the boys to come, you know, help with the barbecue for a second. When grown men talk about money, we see them as successful. When they talk about how many millions they've generated in their business, when we hear the Elon Musks and the Mark Zuckerbergs or the Jeff Bezoses talk about their success, financial success, they get applauded and it's success. When we hear women do the same thing, it's seen as bragging. What? We have to collectively change this attitude and we need to collectively put more money in the hands of women because women collectively open doors for more women. We need to collectively get better at holding money and creating money and then not shame women, back to my original start for this entire podcast episode, then not shame women about making more money after we have just told them they should make more money. We need to take ownership in our own wealth journey and our generational wealth journey, especially if you have kids, but even if you don't have kids, for just your personal journey in this and breaking generational stereotypes of what is possible and what isn't possible. My parents never thought it was possible to do what I am doing now. They are beyond blown away every single time they hear about what's happening with my business because they just didn't think these things were possible. Well, as long as we think they're not possible, they aren't. We need to claim that we can generate these things, and then we need to claim every benefit that comes from having that, and we need to get super comfortable talking about money, moving money, confronting our own money, and having conversations with other people about money. And in order to do that, we need to be educated about how money functions and what our own money hang-ups are. Most of us aren't. This program that I'm going to be doing in August, I want to talk about because this has been on my list of things that I have to do in 2023, like I can't not do this since January of this year, probably longer if I'm honest, but the concept solidified in my head in January because my ops manager and I were laying out the plans for the year. And it was this recurring theme that is my own history, but also that I saw in so many of my clients. And as I've shared more and more about my business, I've noticed that a lot of people get really squirmy in the money conversations and that a lot of women are missing some key pieces of knowledge. Entrepreneurs in general, but women specifically, are missing a bunch of key pieces of knowledge when it comes to money and not just how to generate it, aka sales, but how to manage it, how to mentally hold the pressure of it, and how to neutralize it. 
I literally just got off a call with a one-on-one client and we were talking about, you know, she thinks that her clients aren't purchasing because of price and it's never the price, but she's not able to neutralize the price. And as a result, her clients can't neutralize the price. Because as women, we are so conditioned to make money mean things that it doesn't. Money is a tool. That is all it is. It is a tool and you deserve more of it the more you work at it and you deserve more of it the more you become really good at managing it and understanding it. It's like anything else. The better you get at it, the easier it will become. But we don't do that. We don't neutralize it as women and we don't invest in our growth. We don't invest in assets. We don't learn how to put money to use for us and the well-being of our families because we somehow have shame around it and we have guilt around it and we have confusion around it. So therefore we don't step into it. So this is a program that I had to create. This had to happen. This wasn't even an option. This was something that was in my brain that through my journey over the last 15, 20 years, this has become the sticking point of changing what I'm capable of doing. So this had to become reality. So this month's program is very near and dear to my heart because it literally changed how I view my role in my own life and that of my family for ensuring generational stability, yes, but also wealth. Wealth, not just making enough money to make it to get by, but wealth. And let's talk about wealth. And let's talk about the expectation of having my children already set up for millions in their own future because of things that I did, not because of them having to do those things. They will still do those things. My children will still get jobs and do amazing things. But guess what? They will be so much better equipped to understand how to create their own wealth and for their future children than I ever was because I confronted money shit and because I did the learning and the educating and the self-confrontation and facing the uncomfortable things. Being able to handle money has changed everything about my daily life and how I show up. And removing the fear and the doubt and the that's not for me belief that I was handed by my parents. And I don't know where it came from, really, if you think about it, because my great grandmother didn't have that belief. She said, the fuck, this isn't for me. I'm going to do what I need to do to provide a life for my children in the most difficult circumstance where this is literally not something women did. But then somehow in those generations, it was lost. And my parents became the people who were like, this isn't possible for us. This is for other people. I had to park that belief. And I had to do that in order to shift everything about my quality of life and my belief in myself and my children and my husband and the life that we're building. So if you're in this, this entrepreneurship journey, first confront that, yes, you're in it for money, not just money. I know this about you because you're good humans and you're not in it for just money, but you are in it to make money. Own that. That is not only okay, that is the normal logical thing right? So first confront that, but then second confront that you probably don't fully know how to manage it, run it, make it neutral and deal with it. And as a result, it's going to be a hang up until you make it no longer a hang up. So the money program will run live this month. It'll run live in August. Don't ask me details on number of modules or dates or times because I don't know any of that yet, but also know that none of that is relevant And if your first thought with joining a program is, I need to know all the exact dates and the number of sessions before I can spend the money, then you need the money program the most because you are hung up on exchange for exchange. That's not how money works. The value of money isn't attached to that. We're going to cover mindset and we're going to cover shame and guilt around money. We're going to cover ownership and taking control of your own money, not just, oh, my husband handles that or not, oh, it scares me. I don't want to look at it or not. Well, it's enough for me to get by. So I'm not really thinking about the future. No, we're going to cover all of that because you have to have ownership of your money and taking control of that. And even in joint, let me be really clear right now. My husband and I do everything jointly. 
We've had joint personal accounts since the day we got married. We run separate businesses. So obviously we have separate business accounts, but I know exactly what his business financial situation is and he knows exactly what mine is. So I'm not talking about separate from your spouse. I'm talking the opposite. I'm talking about having those conversations and getting on the same page and both having ownership and control of what the money situation is. And we're also in this program going to cover the tangibles from personal money to navigating business money coming in and going out because business money should be doing both. Business money should be active money. It should not be money sitting there. And we're also going to cover goals and when you should have them and when you should ditch them because sometimes they can be a handicap. But the biggest piece that I think so many entrepreneurs don't recognize that is out there for them is the entrepreneurial benefits that are literally written into the tax code that you don't even know are there and definitely don't know how to utilize. We're going to cover things like why my husband and I ended up having to learn something the really hard way and pay an extra $100,000 one year in taxes. Yep, $100,000. You heard me right. And how to avoid those things because we had to learn those things the hard way because no one was teaching us these things. No one takes you aside and teaches you the tax benefits for entrepreneurs until you suddenly step into quicksand and, oh shit, now it's too late and we can't undo it. So now we just have to do it moving forward. We're going to talk about those things. We're also going to talk about the proper way to hire your kids if you have them in your business in a way to reduce tax implications and how you're missing massive deductions that are legally yours, that are literally there for entrepreneurs to take, but you don't know until someone tells you. We're going to talk about when you should be taxed as an LLC versus an S-corp. We're going to talk about all of the tangibles. We're also going to talk about how some entrepreneurs become wealthy and others are dragging through mud for decades before eventually giving up and getting another job. And it's related to your money stuff. It's not just the hard skills of sales and all of that. And you guys know I have so many programs on that to help you. Those things matter. But it's also the hard skills of money management. And it's also the soft skills of money attitude and neutralizing money. This program, in my humble opinion, is not optional for anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur and step into wealth. There's a difference between making sales and making the numbers add up at the end of the month and you're making it through the month and you're paying your bills and creating wealth. Those are different things. And back to my original point, there's not an entrepreneur out there who doesn't want to create unrealistic amounts of money. That just doesn't make sense. You're lying to yourself if that is you. I am not saying be greedy. If you know me in person, you know that we live a very normal life and probably no one around us knows anything about income or wealth or anything. I'm not saying be greedy, but I am saying please be really open-minded and with eyes wide open about the possibilities of your entrepreneurial business. Because what else is the point? If you just want to be a slave to a business, then you can be a slave to somebody else's business, clock out at five and not worry about the rest. The reason you're doing it on your own is because you want to create freedom and you want to create wealth. And you can only do that when you confront money. Wealth is a different level. Wealth is where freedom lives. If you're making sales but are dependent on an on-off cycle of money coming in every month and paying the bills and whatever, then you don't have true freedom. You have a really busy job. This program is going to start later this month. We'll add all the links into the show notes, but as always, please pay attention to IG stories because you'll hear about the pre-sale details there first and pretty quickly because we're launching pretty quickly. You guys also always know that I offer pre-sale pricing because making quick and early decisions saves money in all of entrepreneurship. Why do I do different forms of pricing? I'm going to tell you this right here because I want you to become conditioned to moving quickly. I literally don't care if every person buys my program in pre-sale and it's less money for me. I don't care. I want you to learn to move quickly because that's how entrepreneurs build. When you're sitting on a decision and you can't make a decision to save your life and it's the shit or get off the pot situation, 
how are you ever going to run a business and create wealth and become a successful entrepreneur if you can't make a decision? That's why I have pre-sale pricing. That's why I have early bird pricing. That's why I eventually go to full pricing because the quicker you move and the quicker you make decisions in the business, the faster your business grows. That's just how it works. The sooner you get comfortable with that, the sooner you can clear up your money shit. You can also always hop on the email list if you aren't on it yet. You will always get launch emails and price change notification emails in there as well. You can join at kirstenscreen.com and just scroll to the bottom. You can drop into the email list. But as always, we will link it all in the show notes for you because we want you to have access. Tell me your thoughts on money. This is a really important conversation. I know I've done a couple episodes where we touch on money, but this has to be said over and over and over again. And again, when I see stuff that that really gives me the ick in the coaching space, I'm going to call that shit out because I've been in business for 20 years in multi-different iterations in personal businesses, working for other people in their businesses, working in corporate. And when I see bullshit, I want to point it out. The people that are currently telling you not to worry about money because they find it somehow no longer cool because now they want you to be spiritual beings. But meanwhile, they spent the last five years creating a business by talking about money. It's a really comfortable thing to say when you're sitting high on your throne where you've already made a lot of money. You need to be confronting money. You need to have this conversation. You need to be open to it and you need to get past whatever stories and hangups and confusions and fear you have around money. We'll address all of these things. This money program is so important to me and I want this to be a very honest conversation. I'm going to give you guys resources. I'm going to point you in directions that are going to help you change your attitude. I'm going to give you guys some book recommendations that have really helped me. I want this to be a very tangible journey for you where you improve how you function around this critical piece of not just your business, but your life. And you're after this for betterment and for freedom and for quality of life and for a future for your family and your children. So I, I sincerely hope you join me in this program. Like I said, this one is, is very important to me. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. And I will catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Embodied CEO Podcast. To connect with me, Kirsten, head to kirstenscreen.com or find me on Instagram at thekirstenscreen. My DMs are always open, so drop in and say hi. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share the Embodied CEO Podcast. And now go out there and take some action.